Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hello, Res Church and guests. So glad to be with you today and so glad to be able to share the word with you today. So we're going to be talking and, and sharing out of parts of the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And what we're going to be talking about is when we don't measure up. And uh, this is a really important topic and, and real special to my heart. So I'm going to begin by just reading a small portion of Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 15 to start. And it says, when Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ, of him who is the head. So we're going to talk about that measure of Christ, that measure we attain to, and maturity in him, both individually and together as the body of Christ, which we'll see that we are. So what matures us and what often keeps us from maturing? We're going we're gonna to discuss. There's one overarching thing that definitely will keep us from maturing, both as individuals and as the church corporately, and, and that will be what will keep us from maturing is just simply not staying the course just simply not staying the course and so I'm going to focus a little more on that today and the next time I get to share I'm going to be focusing on um, some other important areas of maturity but I feel like this is the key one to begin with so what keeps us from staying the course there are several things one is discouragement Therefore, we need to encourage and be encouraged. What often stops us from being encouraged and keeps us even from coming to God is a sense of guilt, failure, or simply not measuring up. We understand that with God, there's a high bar set. And too often, we just feel like we don't measure up to that standard. And that can cause shame. It can cause a lack of motivation and the lack of desire to even try. And it often brings us to a place of quitting. Something like, what's the use kind of an attitude. Or we can also fall into the category of those of us that are so desperate to feel that we measure up or, or appear to measure up for whatever reason, that it can cause us to be delusional with a false sense of who we really are. And put us in a place where we convince ourselves of an inaccurate reality. And a false reality keeps us from growth. It keeps us from maturity. Because until we can come to terms with our true selves, being self-aware, we can never change. We can never grow. So when we talk about a sense of not measuring up, that depends a lot on what the measure is. When it comes to who we are and who God is, we definitely don't measure up. 
And that's a humble reality, not a failure. The word perfection in the Bible has been used with many meanings, meanings that do not mean without fault, but rather to be mature, even to be mended. In fact, James tells us to confess our faults to one another, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, and pray for each other that we may be healed. If we are not careful, we can let this sense of not measuring up keep us from growing. We are created in the image of God. We are his image bearers. Therefore, we are born with an inherent value, worth, and competency that we get from our Father. So how do we harmonize this truth of our inherent value with the reality of not fully measuring up? Though we have inherently the image of God, we are also have an inherent sin nature. We all have messed up. We all have to come to terms with our mess-ups, with our failures, with our shortcomings, with our defeats, and with our human frailty. The story goes all the way back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. They messed up. They hid from God in their shame. But the good news is that even though they failed, God came looking for them. And he made a way for them in their failure because that's who he is. He's a way maker. He makes a way for us even in our failures. That's the good news that we need to hold on to in our journey of following Christ. We are all image bearers of God and we are also his representatives. The truth is we don't always do such a good job at being his representatives. And you know what? That's okay especially if we want to do better. God doesn't hold it against us. He doesn't disown us as children for messing up, even when we misrepresent him. There are so many people that would love to hold our failures against us, but God is not one of them. He is looking to find us a way through. He is the one who makes a road in the wilderness, a stream in the desert, a way where there is no way. God has a plan for your life. Unfortunately, so does Satan. And Satan's plan is pretty straightforward. His plan is to interfere with God's plan. And his ultimate goal to do that is to get you to give up. You see, he has no power other than trying to mess with your mind and get you to quit. Therefore, your ultimate goal needs to be this, to never quit, never give up. No matter what happens, it is never the end. God does not quit on you. Do not quit on yourself. Do not quit on others. People may quit on you, but God does not. He's not a quitter. We see even in the failure of Adam and Eve that God already had a plan to make a way, not only for them, but for everybody that would be affected by their failure. So the devil's ultimate goal is to get you to quit. He can't do anything to stop you, but he will try to get you to stop on your own accord. He doesn't have new tricks. He just keeps reusing the same old strategies with different spins. One of the devil's early on tactics when a person receives Christ in their life is to make them feel like a hypocrite in order to get them to stop following Jesus. And that's easy for a young Christian or someone that's just getting to know Christ to fall for because you are going to mess up and from the moment someone allows Christ in their life they are freed from their guilt and burden of wrongdoing 
but they're not perfect in Christ. And they're not a perfect representation of him either. Yet how many times new babes in their faith hear these words and you call yourself a Christian, you're a hypocrite. And as a babe, someone who's without a full understanding of the gospel and who God is may go along with that and may think, well, yeah, I guess I am a hypocrite. I don't measure up. Therefore, in order to not be a hypocrite, I should just abandon this. I failed. I can't do it. I don't measure up. If there is anything I get out of reading this entire Bible over and over again, it's that no matter how depraved people may get, God is still always looking for a way to pull them out. We see it over and over again. I've been studying the book of Jeremiah, and it, it just amazes me. God's people in this time were at their worst place of depravity and apostasy, doing unimaginable things. Yet, even in the midst of it, even in the midst of God's disgust over some of the horrific things that were happening, he was still looking for a way to get them through this, a way to reconcile with them, a way to, to restore them. We look at others often who we think are, are doing well and doing everything well, and we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. Many who are leaders in the church um, feel like they have to give an appearance of perfection in order to lead others. But that's a false way of leading. That often just discourages others and locks them further into their demise. Sometimes the best thing we can do is confess our failures so others uh, are, are not locked in to there, so others can relate to us. And in that place, they find an affinity with us as a fallible person. And that can be what causes them to stay the course, gaining the courage to go on in the midst of failure, because it truly takes courage to go on in the midst of failure. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should condone things that are bad and form bonds that encourage people to engage in un ungodly practices, but we need to face our humanity and our weaknesses. Paul himself boasted of his weaknesses, not his strengths. However, we can't confess our failures and our weaknesses if we can't even acknowledge them. And we can't acknowledge them if we feel we will be rejected or disqualified because of them. I found in, in sharing at many conferences that just sharing about my courageous leaps of faith and accomplishments was not all that was needed. Something was lacking, a piece of humanity regarding the speaker, the one everyone was looking to, was needed. And so I've often felt drawn to share from my weaknesses and sense of failure in the midst of my accomplishments. Sharing from weakness has sometimes served a better purpose than just sharing only from strength and accomplishment, even when those accomplishments are carried out through the divine support and supernatural moves of God and, and combined efforts of others and gives glory to God. You see, people see and hear our shout-outs of fortitude and determination of faith and victory without ever knowing the deep inner fears and failures that we've had to face, both inward and outward. The inward ones are often the ones that we don't share. We need to identify with the struggles of those we perceive as conquerors in order to not lose heart in our battles. Many need to hear the pain, the process, the battle scars, where just the flaunting of achievements doesn't cut it. 
I realized how important this was when I was speaking to a large group of pastor's wives in Kampala, Uganda. And I, as I was preparing to share, I felt God spoke to me and told me clearly, Joy, share from your weaknesses, share your struggles, share your pain, share your sorrows that you've been through and your vulnerabilities. And I'd just been through some very difficult times and I was all playing, uh, ready to share with them all the things that I've done thinking, all right, I'm going to encourage them to do great things as well. But God redirected me. And, and unbeknownst to me, these wonderful people had the impression that we from the West did not suffer the same things they suffered. That somehow our resources made our lives better than theirs. And we didn't have challenges to overcome or inner pain to endure. But that day they saw that that was not the case. And they related to me in a new way and found the courage to go on and to pursue dreams, not to be disheartened and not to feel like powerless victims because I was able to share from my weaknesses. They could likewise identify with my ability to then overcome and know that location was not a determination either. Our humanity is the same everywhere we are. And after sharing that message, for years to come as I went back and visited in Uganda, I continued to hear feedback over and over how the listeners were impacted and how it gave them a hope that they had pretty much abandoned. So, and look, let's look at our heroes of faith. My husband last week spoke about the great cloud of witnesses in the book of Hebrews. And we often only see the glory story and overlook the humanity. We forget that these heroes, both in the Bible and in history, were men and women with the same vulnerability to pain, to heartache, to discouragement and disillusionment as we are. After going through some painful experiences myself and honestly being confused as to why and how, I began to look into their life stories a little deeper than the surface. And I began to imagine myself in the shoes of some of these great heroes of faith. It's easy for us to know their story from beginning to end, not to think about what it was like for them walking through it. Sometimes we have to learn in walking through hours to walk blindly as they did, to walk in darkness, to walk when we feel nothing and know that he is still with us. Some of us are so used to getting charged up at church during our corporate worship. Many of us have stopped getting in God's presence because we've depended on that. But don't stop praying. In fact, you can become a powerful person of prayer, especially during this time. The harder the resistance, the greater the strength and endurance that is required. We cannot be cotton ball Christians. We have to learn endurance and to gain strength through the times that we feel weak. I can't wait to meet in person again, but in the meantime, I wanna encourage you, don't neglect meeting together. All the more as you see the day approach, the Bible says, don't neglect meeting together. And even when we cannot meet in the building, which we're hoping to do soon, there's so much more that we can be doing. Whatever way we meet, it must increase, especially when times are difficult, whether it's our Zoom prayer meetings, small groups, Bible studies, um, our devotional time, Sunday worship and, and teaching services. We need to get in as much as we can to encourage us, to encourage us so that we don't stop walking in this journey, so that we don't give up. The great thing about God is that he knows us. He gets us. 
God knows our love language. He knows our past. He knows how that has formed us. He knows our emotional needs. And he knows that we as his children all have different needs. And as much as we need him, we also need the body of Christ. God intended to use the church to fill all in all. We fail, yet he still uses us. It amazes me how God can use someone and even use the church as a whole, even when they're clearly not perfect. And you know those people, their lives and actions are screaming, I'm not perfect. Maybe you feel like you're one of them. And if you don't, let me encourage you that you are. And the closer you live to someone, the more imperfect they appear to be, or rather, the more of their imperfections you have the privilege of seeing. And so heaping guilt on others will never help. The devil does a good enough job of doing that, and most people already are aware of their failures and are trying to keep their head above water without someone pushing them down under again. I wanted to quit so many times. Even this past month, struggles and, and, and challenges so many times made me want to say, that's it, and throw in the towel. But we need to encourage each other. People berate themselves. The devil loves to berate us, which is why we need to encourage each other. And all the more as we see the day approaching, all the more as things get difficult. So I'm going to go back now and read through a little more of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 8. Paul saying, as a prisoner in the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the call you have received. And this call that we have, it's all the same call. We are called into salvation and we are called to regurgitate the message of salvation to others. He tells us some important keys on how to walk worthy of that calling. He says, with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, with diligence to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Love is the bond. There is no peace without God's love. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all. Now to each of us, grace has been given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now that grace is talking about specific gifts. Uh, so we all have the same call, but we have different assignments in that universal call. So that's why it says, as the scripture continues, when he ascended on high, he led captives away and gave gifts to men. And verse 11, it says, and it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints. But this is for the perfecting of the saints, but another way this word perfecting is translated is repairing, is mending. It's not walking unfallible. It's not walking in a state of perfection as we often interpret it. And it's walking in this place of mending for the works of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all mature to the full measure of the statue of Christ. See, we're in a process to mature to that measure, but we're not there yet, and we won't be there until we have come face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ again. But we're in a process, and that process is done individually and collectively. And it says that we need this so we'll no longer be infants tossed about, carried about by every teaching and deceitful scheming of people. 
And part of our maturing is stability, consistency, and soundness in knowing the Word of God. And it continues to say, instead, we need to speak the truth in love. We will, and doing this, we will in all things grow up in Christ himself, who is the head. From him, the whole body fitted and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love through the work of each individual part. So as we are each doing our part, we are building ourselves up. We are building our body up. We are building the church of God up. That's why it's so important. We learn to do everything we can to build each other up, not to tear each other down. And in order to do that, we need to be supportive of people in their weaknesses. We need to be able to acknowledge our own failures so people see it's okay, we fail, we get up again, we mess up, we get back on. And so we need to learn that God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so um, what is perfection? It's accepting each other with their faults. So yes, we need to abstain from practices of impurity and turn away from habits in our lives that don't produce good. We need to follow his commandments, not giving in to greed, which leads us into all kinds of evil. But it's also about learning sound doctrine, allowing the fivefold ministry and ministry gifts in, in those that he's given it to, to do that job and sit under that teaching. But it's also about being honest with yourself and others and knowing how to react to each other in our humanity. Ephesians 4 verse 29 goes on to say, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So, you know, as we understand this, I'm just going to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. And these gifts are from the same spirit. They're different ministries, but the same God who gives them to us. And there are different ways of working, but the same God who works all things in all people. And it talks about that these gifts are given for the common good. So God has given us gifts. God has given us assignments for the common good. And it goes on to share about what those are and that we're all part of the body. And so if the eye says, I don't need the ear, if, if on our own body we were to cut off our foot, what good would that do us? And so often we, as believers, will tend to isolate ourselves or alienate ourselves or cut ourselves off from others. We get discouraged, we get offended, we get hurt. And it's so important that we understand that we need each other. We need our Father, but He's our Father. And He has so designed us and so designed the church that we will need each other and we cannot do this walk, be on this journey on our own in isolation. Second Corinthians 12, talk, I mean, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how each member of the community of Christ makes up his body. There are positions and gifts. And he said, eagerly desire these positions and gifts because they're for the common good and they're to build others up. But then he clarifies something that's so important. He said, even though you need to, to desire and, and, and to um, eagerly desire these gifts. He said, I'm going to show you an even more excellent way. And then it goes on to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he begins to say, if I, if I operate in all these amazing gifts, if I have the tongues of men and angels, if I give my, my everything I own to the poor, if I allow my body uh, to go through hardship, if I do all this, 
but I have not love. He said, I gain nothing. And so 1 Corinthians 13 makes it very clear that even if we have all the gifts and don't have love, it's nothing. And he goes on to describe what that love look, looks like. And let's read that in verse 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And so, and when we look at this, we need to look at it in a way where we're not saying, this is how I want others to treat me only, but we need to say, this is how I want to treat others. So what I urge you is to understand that the important thing we need to do in order to grow, in order to mature, in order to reach that measure is to not give up. Don't quit. And don't be someone that urges others to quit. Be someone that not only doesn't quit, but helps others not to quit. I'm not talking about being preachy. I'm not talking about quoting scriptures at other people to make them feel like more of a failure. I'm talking about walking alongside them in their failures and saying, God hasn't given up on you and neither will I. You are amazing, made in his image. Quitting usually stems from offense, from unworthiness, from failure. So what you can do is push past that, look past that. If you're offended, find a way to overlook it. The Bible actually says that love overlooks an offense. But if you can't overlook it, then just simply go and talk to somebody. And when you talk to somebody, you bring restoration. And that's what God did for us in Christ, is he reconciled us to him. And he wants us as his body to walk in that, to walk in wholeness, to walk in maturity. So I want to encourage you, first and foremost, I know that there's people, my husband sensed this the last time he preached, that there's people just wanting to give up. There's people struggling because of COVID. There's people struggling being in the situations they are. God is with us in whatever we're in. And thank God that we're, we're not just so isolated that we have ways we can connect. And I encourage you, get, on, get connected in every way you can. Be a part. Don't just sit back and stay in a place of discouragement. The way to get out of it is to hear the word that will encourage you, is to pray with others that will encourage you, is to pray for others that will encourage you. Um, so as we close, I'm going to just ask us to pray, to bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a father in heaven, but you're also a father that's close to us, that you're near, that you're near to us. In fact, that you're near to us even more so in our time of distress. And we thank you for that. We thank you that your eyes are upon the sparrow, that your eyes are upon us. If you so care for the birds, how much more you'll care for us. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word that encourages us. Thank you, God, for the community of believers that encourages us. Thank you, God, that you have a plan in our lives, that you have a plan in everything that's happening. And we ask you, Father, to draw us into that plan, to draw us into that place, to draw us into our assignments, to strengthen us during this time as we seek you, as we look to you. And Father, we pray if anyone doesn't know you, that they will come to know you. And if, if you're listening to this and 
you don't know if you've really entered into that relationship with Jesus, then just pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me, that you didn't spare your only son, but gave him up for my sake so that I can be restored to you, so that every offense I've committed against you would be wiped away, blotted out, that there is no remembrance of it. And so I receive that gift of salvation given through Jesus. I receive the work of his shed blood for my life. And I choose to follow you and allow you to work in my life and continue to mend, to heal, to restore, to perfect, to mature me to the full measure of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been really good being with you today. I look forward to when we can meet in person. And I know that we have a, a picnic coming up, so I'm hoping to see you all there. God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718 436 0242 extension 0.